Hi, I'm Tyler, and this is Wendy Chintana, a co-pilot in life as well as at a Wave the World. And this is our littlest one, Lucy. We're here in quarantine, making the best of it, to bring you our latest anthology, Maybe Someday, the sequel to All We Ever Wanted. Comics have always been at the forefront of imagining how the world can be. Now, more than ever, we need stories of hope to remind us that a brighter future is possible. Joining us once again are editors Matt Miner and Eric Policki, who've assembled a team of creators who are as talented and diverse as those who appeared in All We Ever Wanted. Ah, the drinks are here. So let's drink a toast to maybe someday so that we can imagine a better world and a better tomorrow. Cheers. And cut. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio, powered by Poddex. I am your host, and as you might recall from previous episodes last year, A Wave Blue World is an independent publisher of high-quality graphic novels, anthologies, and art books with a focus on originality and cultural reverence, connecting people through storytelling and providing a platform for a multitude of created voices. That's uh, that's part of their mission statement right there um, as I'm reading off of their website website awbw.com along with the tag new worlds await and through that i uh, uh this is actually my uh third time supporting a uh, kickstarter project for a wave blue world i supported two projects uh last year uh, all we ever wanted stories of a better world and deadbeats uh but now and i would imagine uh especially during these times uh, um, take that as you will however that means uh, we could we could use more hopeful stories now uh, now more than ever uh, to that end we are talking about the Kickstarter for the follow-up the sequel to all we ever wanted it's a brand new anthology called maybe someday stories of promise visions of hope the Kickstarter is up now check it out at awbwkickstarter.com and this week's guest is Tyler Chintaner co-publisher of a wave blue world to tell us all about that and more Tyler hey welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio radio hey yeah thanks thanks for having me absolutely we had uh we had such a great conversation when we were talking about the kickstarter for uh deadbeats and i was uh i i was really glad when you reached out to me uh letting me know uh that there was uh there was going to be a sequel to uh all we ever wanted because like you know we we were uh uh texting back and forth on on messenger a bit and just by weird sheer coincidence i've I, i've recently moved and i'm kind of like in the process of unpacking all of my stuff and I came across my copy of uh, All We Ever Wanted and was flipping through it and reading some of the stories. And I was like, you know, it, it feels like in times like these, it would be really kind of cool for a, um, a follow-up. And I don't know if it was just cosmic kismet or whatever it was, but you uh, you uh, reached out to me and uh, let me know that there was going to be a sequel. So let's uh, so let's just jump off uh, from right there. Um, let's talk about maybe someday uh, stories of promise and visions of hope. Yeah, well, I mean, as you were saying, it seemed appropriate in 2018 when we did the Kickstarter for All We Ever Wanted that we should move away from the dystopia and give readers uh, more hopeful stories so they can feel like that we're moving to something good. Um, And 
I wish I wish we could say that was enough, but here we are in 2020, and it just seems like there's even more need for for this sort of sense of hope and and uh, belief that we can we can do something positive in the future, that we're going somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's not all going to fall apart. Right. Um, so you know, we were excited to be able to do a sequel, of course, but you know, we also just felt as if oh, the, you know. It is, it's necessary even, you know, now more than ever, even more than it was in 2018. Yeah, it, it seems interesting. And, and this isn't meant to be, you know, quaint or trite, but it uh, it is interesting how so thoroughly the world is different now and how much things have changed here in 2020 because i i remember you know when we were when we were talking in in 2018 where it's like oh man yeah less uh um less mad max more star trek you know let's you know kind of kind of try to get that that sense of hopefulness because you know uh so many folks out there are feeling very discouraged you know with uh just kind of like the way the world is going and the current administration and here we are two years later <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah. so yeah but uh, but yeah I mean like 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 we're uh, like we're saying here it, it feels like the time is right uh, for a uh, for a follow-up to all we ever wanted um, so let's um, I, I guess let's we, we talked already a little bit about uh you know kind of the inspiration was w- was there any other inspiration um aside from just looking out our windows and and feeling that that sense of longing for uh, uh for hopeful stories uh well i mean that's pretty much what we've been saying that you know we wanted to do stories that showed a roadmap to where we go from here and as that shifted even more from 2018 to 2020, uh, it's funny how we just sort of start to see things differently. And it's the world isn't the same that we're living in. And there are different things. I mean, now, uh, before, you know, 2018, it was mostly about the administration and, and things going downhill there. Mm-hmm. Now we have the virus and more environmental concerns. Not that those weren't weren't there before. But. I mean, as as new information comes in, as the world shifts, then that's new perspectives to tell stories. So not only do we feel, all right, we're still in a place where we need positive visions and to lift people's spirits, but with the new information about the world, new technology, new new perspective on the environment, you know, well, there's, you know, there's more people wanting to tell these stories, more people wanting to read them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all we ever wanted certainly is still very... Um, on point, but you know, there's also room to expand that vision a little bit more and and uh, sort of a updated look. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I, uh, you know, I, I had uh, mentioned that I flipped through um, all we ever wanted uh, when when I moved. Uh, you know, recently uh, this uh, this weekend prior to. Uh, uh, this interview that we're doing now, I I thought you know what I I'm just gonna sit down and I'm gonna read a couple of the stories. I'm just gonna you know, kind of read it in parts, read it here and there. Um, I I crushed it in one shot. I just I couldn't put it mm-hmm. down. It was like and and again I just I just found myself in invested in the um you know it's interesting i i guess i guess i should back up a little bit because i was gonna say i you know i i was kind of like enjoying the hopefulness but the thing that that's um that's interesting about the stories and content of all we ever wanted is sure they are utopian stories and again you know kind of like one of the the um uh your mission statements of it was you know more utopia less dystopia you know more star trek less mad max but that because it's utopian doesn't necessarily mean that it's always especially positive there's uh there's several of those stories that have you know almost kind of like a, 
a Twilight Zone vibe to it where, you know, um, oftentimes where the world has ended and, and those particular stories kind of show the aftermath of that and and starting starting anew. There's there's a lot of themes of uh, uh, renewal and regenesis. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so so I found a lot of that um, uh, very appealing. But I, I did also find it find it uh, um in in a weird new context again given given the times um but but with that i w- i was wondering if we you know you you had talked about this a little bit a moment ago that you know that this is a sequel and the stories of maybe someday kind of uh you know expand some of those themes i i i was wondering if you could get um a little more into that and maybe kind of talk about um, so w- without giving away plots or whatever, but like kind of like specifically, um, the types of themes that uh that you're looking at in in maybe someday stories of promise, visions of hope. Yeah, I know that's a very good point. I mean, I will say that there the conflict still exists because you know life is conflict, nature is conflict, and evolution. So the idea wasn't that these stories would necessarily be be pure utopias where like everything was at rest it's more that the conflict has to do with okay how do we the conflict of getting to a better place as opposed to the conflict of everything falling apart Ah, you know it's yes it's that's that's where the difference is and i think just like star trek constantly has conflict but it's like Mm -hmm. how do we how do we get to you know we're winning the overall war to getting to a better better place in the world Mm-hmm. You know, and just dealing with with the obstacles in that path. Um, and as far as as the difference between the last one and this one, I would say that one thing I notice in some of these stories is you I'm seeing more alternative realities and new worlds. Whereas I felt like the first one, it was a lot of, okay, here's the future and things either just fell apart first and then there was a sense of regrowth mm-hmm. um, or we avoided that and just reached this far future of like perfect sort of technological kind of thing. Now I'm seeing some concepts in there where it's like we figured out how to like, um, you know, jump realities where there's this parallel sort of dimension and and um, we're playing with that concept more sort of the sidestepping mm-hmm. type thing. Um, and finding solutions kind of in step with what we're doing. So it's not like we have to, it's not the so, so, um, so far ahead, you know, whereas the first one, it was like, oh, we're either so far ahead where everything's collapsed and is regrowing or we're at this super futuristic point mm-hmm. here. There's, we're kind of like, okay, it could be like this, but what if we were just able to sidestep just a little bit here? And you're just sort of looking at these sort of alternative versions um you know parallel dimensions yeah. so to speak which we kind of open the door there and that helps fix fix things well so it's more of almost like a lateral you know type solution interesting okay see and, and now that you mentioned that i i can see some of that in the uh, uh sample of the cover art that uh that you sent me that that folks can see it's it's you know there there's a um, uh, whimsy to it. You know, there, there's there's a, a wistful, uh, a whimsical uh, uh, perspective to it. You know, it's like you know we're out on the on the high seas, getting chased by dolphins uh, on a on a futuristic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of waterworldy type of type of skimmer and things like. And even even the font and the and the type dress. I I mm-hmm. I, I I guess I, I'm I'm kind of thinking it from that perspective of as you said, kind of just like a, a step to the side and you know kind of yeah. seeing what these what these alternate visions and uh and and stories are like that sounds uh uh sounds really really cool i'm really excited um let's uh let's talk about some of the uh some of the folks that are involved in this project um i guess uh since i've already mentioned it and kind of segued it let's uh um let's talk about the cover yeah the cover was by max dunbar Oh, okay, oh, yeah. Really I, you know, I, I, I'm familiar he, with this he, stuff. I've met him a couple times. Good dude. I I thought I kind of recognized that, um, but yeah, I, I couldn't put my finger on it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was an amazing uh, image, and we're really happy with that came together. And that helps set the tone because, of course, you send that to the other creators as they're uh, coming up with their stories and doing the art for it. 
Um, not to mention, it's just inspiring to know, yeah, you're going to have a great looking cover mm-hmm. uh, when you do your story. So, yeah, it came really came together really well. And uh, Tim Daniel did the logo design and sort of cover treatment, mm-hmm. the sort of triangular shape that we put to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's great. He's amazing to work with. I mean, he did the, the Deadbeats logo as well. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen many of the things that he's done. Yeah, yeah. So, definitely. yeah, that came together great. So, and it looks like, um, are you, um, an editor on this book this time around? I, I am, uh, you know, I, I didn't put myself on the cover. Um, Eric and Matt are mostly doing like the creator, um, what would you call it? Sort of just handling them. They put together the the teams for the most part mm-hmm. and are sort of, we're bringing in the stories. I kind of work on it some more of the once the script is is finished or at least maybe maybe i'll look at like the draft and just sort of give my like final comments on it but then i work with the artists in terms of page layout and schedule and and getting the art in and collected and the production and that side of things so it's it's sort of like half editor half publisher you know i sort of straddle that balance there where um gotcha eric and matt are sort of like the real just sort of editorial writing story story uh, team which they've been doing that this is their third one that they've worked on the books that i've published because they started with uh, this nightmare kills fascists Mm -hmm. before jumping all we ever wanted um you know which was with me as well and then and then now this one maybe someday um like i said they were putting together an anthology first before they kind of like wanted me to join this was on on, uh this nightmare kills fascists that was right at 2017 when the zeitgeist was a little bit more yeah yeah and and like well let's look at how awful this is before we're like oh crap things are really awful (laughs) let's 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 do some more inspiring things but back then they were putting together an anthology and they're like oh hey do you want to because i had done some my own anthologies and they're like do you want to be involved and then they were like well, well maybe you should join and be publisher and and um editor as well but they just really know what they're doing in terms of putting comics together working with other creative talent they have been doing it independently you know without so much the same structure of a publisher where it's just like oh Mm -hmm. i have this idea i'm going to write this bring in an artist to complete my vision and do all the the lettering and production so they have a real good sense of all the levels all the stages of making a comic and putting this together and then i sort of came on as more of the structured publisher sense i was like okay you know let's do this and uh you know i think we do really well in terms of everybody takes like their own sort of um part of the division and Mm -hmm. does a little bit and then we also can all kind of come together and and take the pieces the moving pieces and and decide how we want to um make everything align and come together you know so so we're really good with that uh, it's been a joy working with them on this stuff. And, you know, we've kind of just made it our thing to do an anthology, you know, either every year or every other year, mm-hmm. because we did all, all we ever wanted two years ago, then Dead Beats, which was a slightly different team. But now we're back on on this one, bringing the all we ever wanted team together again. So, gotcha. you know, it's just it's just fun to work with people who both love what they're doing but also really understands, you know, what it's about and, and, you know, have the competency to, to put this stuff together. I gotcha. That, that's awesome. Now I, uh, I really enjoyed, uh, my conversation with, uh, with Matt Miner last year and, uh, meeting him and, uh, uh, along with a lot of you folks, uh, at Emerald city comic-con, uh, last year, that was, uh, that, that was like, uh, it was a whirlwind because, you know, it's like, you know, you had the, uh, table signing for all we ever wanted. And, and I got to meet like a dozen creators in like five mm-hmm. minutes and it was, it, it was, uh, it was really awesome. And, and I I really enjoyed uh, uh, Matt's work on that on that Guar comic he did, um, yeah. and and with uh, uh, with Eric uh, Eric Pilecki's uh, story in um, All We Ever Wanted uh, Two Left Feet I I apologize because mm-hmm. I know you have have a, a story in there as well but I think Two Left mm-hmm. Feet is my favorite story in All We Ever Wanted so um, that, I have no apologies that was a fantastic story I own a, a piece of the original art and have it up here in my studio. Because because I loved it so much. Eric Donovan was on the, uh, on the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we, we put it at the end. It was like the cap it off. Cause I think it just sort of hit the theme perfectly. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, no, that was that was a really good one. Yeah. Well, and and where I guess where I'm going with that is, are um, in addition to being the editors, uh, will they have stories? And uh, yeah, maybe someday. Three, yeah, all three of us have have a story um, in there as well. That's just sort of our thing that we we are the editors, and uh, we also have a story too. Yeah, and Eric's you know, you're not going to be disappointed with uh, uh, Eric's story in this one either. That's one of the ones that's fully completed, uh, and it's really good. He's working with. Uh, the art artist uh, Sally Jane Thompson. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, she did a great job. It's it's uh, it's called Alice in Wonderland, not Alice in Wonderland, but Alice in Wonderland. And it's one of those ones I was talking about where it's it's a fantasy story. It's a little it's our world, but a little step to the left, a little different, a little trippy, much like you know its namesake. Yeah, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, um, it's a really cool one. Yeah. That's neat. I, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, so uh, so from there, let's uh, let's perhaps talk about some of the other creators uh, that are that are uh, working on the book because it, you know from uh, from participating in uh, the last couple projects, there there are some creators that carry over, uh, but then there's always uh, constant uh, new voices and new faces uh, cr- mm-hmm. contributing stories as well. So I was wondering if you'd like to take a, a minute or two and talk about uh some of the great creators that will be uh participating uh and contributing stories to maybe someday stories of promise visions of hope yeah absolutely i mean i, I never want to make it sound like i'm playing favorites because i can't list all um and i think we've got over 30 on this one. Oh my um, gosh really yeah it's a big one it's it's a little bit bigger um it's one of those things when you start getting creators together and you want to make sure you have enough and maybe you even like book a little extra like a like an airplane airplane flight or something but then when people don't drop out you're like and not that we wanted anybody to drop out but you sort of expect it um and then but when they don't and you're just like oh this is gonna be a big book um but that's (laughs) cool um and we tried to get a good mixture of established veteran like big name talents with while still continuing to sort of mine for up and coming, you know, find like the ones we didn't get anybody that was too green because of course we want to make sure they're, they're good, but you know, that you're digging a little bit deeper and looking for independent stuff and people who did their own, own things. So, I mean, big names without trying to, you know, gauge too much. Who's a big name. Who's not. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think Steve Niles, and Christopher Mitten mm-hmm. are doing a story together. And so that's great to have people like that on there. Um, well, I mean, Daniel Kibblesmith is working with Emily, Emily Pearson. I'm excited about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, let's see. Um, Michael Morecki, Moresi is working with Philip Sevy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ma- Michael's done some good things for Vol. I mean, he did the um, Wasted Space uh, he's certainly been doing some cool things, um, you know. Um, yeah, again, like I don't. Uh, yeah, Alex yeah. Segura has been working working in the industry for a while. Um, oh, it's, I'm excited to have Alyssa Quitney and uh, Alain uh, Morissette. You know them. They were supposed to be in all we ever wanted, but deadlines just sort of interfered, interfered, and they couldn't get their story done in time for that one. So mm-hmm. they'll be. They were our first story that we had done for maybe someday. So that was great. And, you know, that's it. And that's a really cool story. I'm excited to work with Marco Rudy, who's done some stuff for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Um, Ethan Sachs, who's been around working for, I think he's done some good amount of Star Wars stuff. Um, Aubrey Sitterson, he's written, he, had, he just had something that's come out for Dark Horse that was really cool. Uh, no One Left to Fight. Oh, have, you, okay. have you seen that one? I, I've heard of it, but I, I haven't checked it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's again, like we've been looking around just, I mean, who's been doing cool stuff, yeah. you know, independently or Dark Horse or Marvel or whatever, you know, um, Stephanie Phillips has done a lot of fun stuff with uh, Zoe Thorogood. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Emmis is really cool. Natasha Altarisi, who does uh, Heathen. Um, she's working with Martin Simmons. Um, man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even. Ryan Katie, Ryan Ferrier. Um, Josh Hood, we've got on this. Um, Kurt Pyers, Valentine Delandro, do mm-hmm. you know him? He did mm-hmm. um, Bitch Planet back in the day. Oh, okay, sure. Not that, 
back in the day, like, you know, like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but again, we're we're in quarantine, you know, yeah, so yeah. I mean, I mean, like, uh, forget hyper time. I mean, quarantine is it, it is just made the world and time just feel so different. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, we, we, when we talk about things that were, you know, pre COVID, you know, pre the pandemic, pre uh, lockdowns, it it feels, it feels like a lifetime ago because of just how, how different life feels. I mean, you know, we're, we're working differently. We're, we're living differently. You know, we're interacting with our friends and family and in ways on one hand, we never thought would be possible, but also in ways that we never thought we would imagine. And it's, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's been a, it's been a interesting, um, uh, well, it, big effect on this anthology because we were putting this anthology together before the COVID, uh, hit. Yeah, you know, and we were even going to launch the campaign two months ago. I mean, our original plan was to do it right after Emerald City. We're going to use Emerald City Comic Con as a way to promote it and then launch it, you know, first week of April. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so not only did we not have Emerald City, and that was a huge sort of blow and, and change of plans, yeah. but we felt as if it wasn't quite the right time to do our, like, hopeful anthology. Like, it was almost a little too depressing as things were, like, shutting down. Yeah. Um, so we know that now more than ever people need you know, stories of hope. Mm-hmm. But again, we still wanted to have the exact right time where it was like, well, all right, at least people have had a chance to sort of settle with this reality so that they can start looking forward a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and even the creators were like, all right, this is still happening. We've just delayed it a little bit, you know, and that's good because we've been able to get more work done and more stories completed because people, people schedule is different. Some people have had time to work on this during this crisis. Some mm-hmm. people haven't. Um, but we've able to get some more material, talk to the creators, get a better sense of where they're at with it. And, um, we feel really good about where we are now and launching it in June. And obviously things are still going to be, I don't know, different, you know, moving forward. Um, and we're still kind of have to, you know, see how things go in terms of just what pace are we moving going forward? Because I know diamond is back and they want to start delivering comics and stores want to reopen. And I think we're going to see a lot of shifting sort of planes and sort of like maybe somebody can open here, but you know, the whole world isn't going to just open up. We're not going to be like, Oh, this is over and here we are. And you know, yeah, let's go back to normal. Uh, there isn't going to be the same normal I and mean, we can make it a new world. And, um, you know, it's it's just going to be about adapting. And I, I think that fits the theme of the book adapting mm-hmm. to the world. Um, just you, just, you know, working together to do what's appropriate. Um, and it's not, it's not going to be very linear. It's not going to be, all right, everything's going perfectly now or going in this direction. It's going to yeah. be a little, something's going to pop up here. Some area here is going to get hit maybe with, with a little bit harder and, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, we're just going to have to just shift their expectations and and um, you know do what makes sense mm-hmm. and just keep being mindful and doing the best we can with the situation that we're in. Absolutely, uh, well said. And uh, and we are chatting with Tyler Chin Tanner, co-publisher of A Wave Blue World. We are talking about the recently launched Kickstarter for the brand new anthology, maybe someday, uh, Stories of Promise, Visions of Hope. It's a sequel to 2018's All We Ever Wanted: Stories of a Better World. Uh, you can check out that Kickstarter now. It's at awbwkickstarter.com. So so the Kickstarter is. Is live now um how long does the campaign go until it's a whole month of june i think we ended on july 2nd um uh which gave us the second to the second and maybe got us out of there just before the fourth of july who knows what that'll look like but you know it's always good to finish before the holiday you know people get a chance to like all right move on no mail today nobody likes you let's show mike some love Right into the mailbag at MikeCyberRadio at gmail.com. And, of course, the spelling on that is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. You've got mail. Everybody loves you. So when uh, I, I love 
Kickstarter as a platform because it's it's one of one of the best ways for uh, publishers and creators to uh, interact with uh, uh, with their fans. It it it's almost like I I don't know. I guess the closest thing to like say like an on demand type of type of service type thing, um, which we see a lot of kind of like in this changing. Uh, pop culture space you know it's like you know we've got our television on demand and now at this point where we don't necessarily have theatrical movie releases in the traditional way you know you've got those on video on demand as well so uh for for a little bit now i've kind of viewed kickstarter as as, and and other crowdfunding uh platforms is really kind of like an on-demand type of thing where i can say i like these creators, I believe in this project. I want this to happen. Um, I want the book for myself, so I'm going to support it. So I, I think, uh, what what are your thoughts on on Kickstarter and and kind of that notion of kind of like the the shifting, um, I, I don't know, mindset of perhaps kind of maybe that that on demand platform at at a, at a time where you mentioned, uh, you know, maybe rethinking the diamond monopoly, uh, not to not to you know tear us off too far in a in a tangented direction, but I I was just thinking about that. I think you're right. It's it's all connected. I, I I think the success of Kickstarter wasn't so much the idea of the funding platform. I mean, of course, people would love to get people to pay them money before they put something out. It, it was the the sense of community and how the online community is breaking down those those barriers of distance. I mean, here's your real access to the creators while they're creating. I, I think that's the key to it, mm-hmm. not just do you want to spend money six months a year before something comes out? It's like, no, do you, do you want to get closer to the creative process and what it's like to put these things together and be involved in it and get your name on that? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what it's about more than anything else. And the fact that Kickstarter was able to do that, they were able to bring people together, be like, hey, you are now part of this project. Um, if, if you think about it in retrospect, if you take like whether it's a comic book or a movie or something that you really loved, if you had the chance to go back and be there at the point of its inception to mm-hmm. watch it come together, uh, that's that's what people are paying for. That's why they're dropping yeah. their dime, you know, before the book comes out because they get that access. That the window opens up, they get to see it. They get mm-hmm. to see how the uh, you know, the, the um, thread is made a little bit more. Um, it, it, yeah. it just ties that, right? Products, the things that you love, it, it becomes who you are. Yeah. Right. And, and that, that's what we're doing here is we're, we're making this because of you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's what people love. It's why I do it too. I mean, I've backed over 200 Kickstarter projects mm-hmm. and like, I love it. I mean, to this day, I, I still remember one of my favorite experiences. I hope this is too much of a tangent. When I was living in Portland and I was part of a studio, um, Robbie Rodriguez and Cameron Stewart were in my Stewart, uh, in my studio and they were both creating Robbie was creating Spider Gwen, mm-hmm. his original character, and Cameron was designing his new version of of Batgirl. You know, I don't remember yeah. if you came, that, remember oh. that came out. Oh, absolutely! Um, I I am a huge fan of Burnside Batgirl. I I like when yeah, when that book exactly. hit. I I bought all of the variant covers i even got like the like the the black and white statue that i had uh, uh both uh, cameron and babstar mm-hmm. autograph for me i i okay. love that design so yeah you, you yeah it, you, it you a struck a nerve design. there for sure <laughs> yeah and it's funny because it's not an original character like spider gwen who's original or just pure original so is I mean you kind of have to call it like the the costume but it was very something very much of itself it was a refresh on the character and they were both doing that and we had no idea what these were going to look like in printed comic books or down the road when they came out and they went to the publisher to the distributor or shipped to, into boxes to ships to, to stores mm-hmm. but just seeing this on the drawing board and seeing not just the designs as like a, something in the back matter but on paper getting scratched out and erased and and redone it it just tied me in with it so much that like to i still feel so connected like i'm such a fan yeah. of those two characters and those designs because of that because because i got to see i mean i wasn't part of it per se i didn't you know have any effect on it but i was there watching it yeah uh, from 
from the lines and, and it's just really cool really cool experience and and in some way that's what kickstarters are with with like their backer updates and mm-hmm. and the funding you know you financially i mean i guess in some way that's sort of like buying stock in a company as it's like creating and you're like oh i want to like put my money down on this and yeah. and say that this is going to be worth it this is going to this is going to become something Exactly. Exactly. And and, and we're all kind of chasing that in in our own way, you know, because we we all want to be on the forefront of whatever that next big thing is. It's like, you know, uh, you want to be the guy that uh, listened to Nirvana before Nevermind (laughs) blew up. You know, everybody's got those stories. I've got a couple stories like that where it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like I, you know, I was I, you know, I was a big supporter of this, uh, this independent artist and look where they went. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that, kind of thing so i i love um those types of stories and i love being part of those stories and i i think you're absolutely right tyler that that's kind of uh you know part of that uh uh kickstarter crowdfunding experience and you know for me at least i'll i'll even break it down even more base than that i um um i i host a podcast that's literally my name so there's there's uh i i am not without vanity (laughs) um so Mm-hmm. So um, when I when I uh, finished my reread of all uh, all we ever wanted recently, I flipped to the back and sure enough, I found my name in there. And I I um, I will confess a wry smile at seeing that. And mm-hmm. it's it's just it's just a really cool, fun feeling that that that's uh, that's unique to this platform. And I think it's really cool. And you know what else we did that made it unique, and we're going to continue with this one, is that we did an exclusive cover. That cover, because I saw you posted on Instagram, you have the Kickstarter exclusive cover. Yes. You know, we did a different version for the direct market because we wanted people who got in on the Kickstarter to have their own version. Like, I backed this. I I didn't buy this when it came out through the store. I backed it. Um, at the yeah. at the Kickstarter level, yeah. and we're doing the same thing with uh, maybe someday this cover that you saw and that we have mm-hmm. for um, the campaign. It's not going to be the one that's available in stores. This one will only be for the people who back it. We'll print to that number, send it out to them, and then the different cover will go out through distribution to retailers and, and so forth. So there's more of that incentive that like you get something that says, hey, you know. I, I did something different here. I did something yeah. special. I backed this campaign from the beginning. That's really cool. I I, I think that's uh I, I think that was a, a really cool way to go uh, with uh, uh with the all we ever wanted campaign because yeah I, I remember rolling up to the table with my orange cover and it's like ooh uh-huh. that's the Kickstarter version so yeah yeah kind of get a little bit of extra uh, cachet there that's uh that's really awesome so um so while we're here talking about uh the Kickstarter uh we were we were kind of talking in pre-show a little bit about um, um, what uh, kind of one one of the things that that fans have come to expect from uh, a Wave Blue Worlds Kickstarters is that they're they're very you know straightforward. You know there there mm-hmm. are there are a ton of excellent Kickstarter campaigns with all kinds of cool you know goodies and and awards and rewards and and incentives and things like that. But um, I, I was wondering if you want to uh, uh, revisit a little bit um, kind of kind of more what. AWBW's uh, uh, philosophy is and kind of that that um, um, agreement that you have uh, with your audience there with regards to the Kickstarters and what folks can get. Yeah, in general, Wavy World is really just about making good books that people want to read. We're at the reading experience. Uh, that isn't so much to say that other publishers companies aren't but you do get a little into a little bit too much of these like bells and whistles the variant covers and the exclusives and the and the collector's items and things like that which i really try to like not orchestrate anyway you know i mean some of that kind of comes organically mm-hmm. you know with different versions and things things like that but i mean yeah so you know like we were saying like sure we'll make the kickstarter exclusive because the kickstarter is different than the direct market but beyond that i mean people are backing our book or should be backing it because they want to read these stories and so our rewards are digital edition print edition that should be 90 percent of our backers right there Mm -hmm. you know beyond that sure you have a little bit on the top you know and we want to add some extra items like we'll have the sticker in there we have the signed book plate for people who want that but but other than that, there's not a whole lot of extra 
things that we try to throw at you or complicate it. Sometimes I look at a Kickstarter campaign and, I, and it, it, it kind of turns me off a little bit when I can't decide which one I want. And it's not even because I'm really trying to go shopping so much for a lot of extra stuff. Like, I just want to know, all right, what is like the main, the main thing? Like, just sign me up for that one. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes they'll, ha- they'll even have it, but it's hard to find because there's so many things listed. And so with this one, we wanted to limit the amount of items where we feel like there's a good range, but it's not complicated to find. Okay, I like digital. Okay, I like print. Um, I want print, but I want it signed by a bunch of creators if I can yeah, get it. Yeah. Um, or I'm a retailer, and so uh, I want to grab like five, ten copies to have of the Kickstarter version instead of just the direct market version. Um, but that's pretty much it, you know. Now, if uh, if I remember correctly from uh, uh, previous campaigns, both uh, All We Ever Wanted and Deadbeats, there um, uh, you did a couple bundles. Um, are are you doing mm-hmm. anything similar to that for uh, maybe someday? Yeah, well, there's there's a natural sort of a, a bundle of these two books themselves, All We Ever Wanted, and maybe someday. So we're going to have a bundle of just those two for the people who didn't maybe get on the All We Ever Wanted campaign and want mm-hmm. both volumes of the better stories but then we have more of a um you know more complete bundle which has a bunch of the other anthologies as well you just get a get a chance to grab kind of our our collection of what we've done in the past mm-hmm. this nightmare and the ones that i've done before mm-hmm. loved and lost um you know and i never know how those are going to be because again i think we do have a lot of returning customers and probably some people will come up and be like, yeah, I have all of those. <laughs> I just need the new one. Right. For those people who are like, oh, this is my first one, you know, you have a chance to to get what we've put out in the past, get it all sent to you in one big, big box. Awesome. Do do like an unboxing video or something. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it is. You know, they're not mysteries. But yeah, exactly. You'll be like, oh, which one do I read first? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I um, you know, in the in the time we had left, uh, I I kind of wanted to loop back around a bit, if I can, to the uh, successful campaign of Deadbeats. Now that was uh-huh. uh, that was a um, a slightly different book than the than the ones that that we're talking about here. You know, obviously the the brand new one, uh, maybe someday, and its uh, predecessor, all we ever wanted. Um, you know, Deadbeats was kind of a. Um, a different book being kind of more of a horror music anthology. Um, but one of, one of the things I wanted to um, uh, touch on is there's there, one of the things that I saw kind of emerging on social media. I mean, long after you and I did our interview and the Kickstarter was live and, you know, so I'm out kind of like promoting it. I'm like, Hey man, go, go back deadbeats here. Listen to the podcast. Here's the Kickstarter, that kind of thing. But, more so, I, I saw that well the the internet gets ugly sometimes and uh-huh. in a way that I think me personally I hadn't really experienced before like I kind of try to steer clear of the uh, of the chuds and the comic skaters and the fandom menace folks and and that whole kind of thing but um, what I what I discovered, you know, being a backer of uh, Deadbeats is, you know, I I I saw some of these uh, tactics that that you know you you hear about, you know, that's like mm-hmm. you know with like with regards to like you know harassment and things like that. And I had been told by folks that I know, it's like, oh well, you know, that's that's ju- that's just made up. That's people just you know over exaggerating things and and uh, um, things like that. But then I saw it with my own eyes, and it yeah. really just kind of um, it, it, it kind of gave me a very uncomfortable uh, feeling, and mm-hmm. you know, to the point where even I saw like outright harassment of uh, uh, some of the participating creators. And where where I was going with that is, I, I was wondering if um, because again, I had no idea about any of this when you and I talked last year. I was wondering if you could speak a little on your uh, perspective on i guess for lack of better term that movement and and how um how how you handle that and how that how that kind of um affects your projects yeah i mean for the most part i don't rise to the things that happen on social media and twitter which doesn't mean it's not real as you were saying like you know yeah that that's out there people are really tweeting that um 
people are really saying that to each other and that that's real life it's not mm-hmm. like it's some pretend reality um and also some of it does pour over to real life i mean you have had some examples where where it may have resulted in some um in-person confrontations here and there um but regardless whether it's it's in real life um or on social media or i'm sorry so it's in actual encounters like like um yeah, I guess in real, to say in real life versus social media is mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is one thing, but but social media is real life, and and that is real. You know that counts. If someone says something to you over social media or threatens you, you know that that's reality. Um, so yeah, you have to acknowledge that that's real. But as far as getting dragged down into these conversations or in tactics, you know, I do my best to sort of just stay away from it. Um, and yeah, during that campaign, yeah, a, I don't I don't even remember. Um, people saying dumb things or people come because of course they have access to comments on the campaign. So people wrote some dumb things in the comments on it. Um, and I, you know, I don't, uh, to to a lot of these people, it's just content for them. Like they've made their name or their place in this industry or on online as feeling as taking this particular position Mm -hmm. and their position might be that, you know, you are somebody they're fighting against. And so they're going to do that. And that's them uh, providing content. Like I, I felt like, especially with that deadbeats, like mm-hmm. there are some people that were like making videos of, of them, like burning copies of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, all I see when I see that is somebody needing content for their YouTube video. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Why would they even, if they really didn't like, if I don't like something, I just don't mention it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm not going to spend my time on it. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of that is is just trying to create their own identity in yeah. a weird way, you know. Yeah. Um, just like people's fandom towards a movie or something like that. Rather, they can't just like let it go and be like, I didn't like that movie mm-hmm. or something. And it's like, no, my identity has to be how I feel, even if it's feeling negatively about this thing. Um, so yeah, I avoid it as best I can. But you know what? I'm I'm out there making progressive comics. I mean, you yeah. said it at the at the top. Um, what we do, our our perspective, our approach to this industry is that we have progressive values. Just like just as if I feel at some point, you know, back in the 1940s when comics first started, you know. Um, fighting against Nazi Germany and, and fascism, you know, mm-hmm. that was a perspective on the world of, you know, we will not stand for this division of people based off of their race, religion, um, gender, sexuality. And I feel like we still face that in the world today. And so while I don't try to be super political, at least not soapboxy, I mean, I certainly I can get into my own political <laughs> perspectives and beliefs, but sure. in publishing, I really don't. I just simply be like, everybody um, should be invited and have a seat at the table. And if there aren't enough women or um, people of a certain um, ethnicity or, um, you know, a certain, you know, spectrum on, on the, uh, gender, Mm -hmm. um, whatever you call it, gender spectrum, Mm -hmm. then yeah, we do need to invite them to the table. That's, that's part of what having this table, this open table of the industry is about. So, you know, if people have negative reactions to be mean, like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to make sure that we're getting, women and mm-hmm. uh, transsexual and people of color, you know, involved in it because that's what the world looks like, yeah. you know? So, and, and people will have their own views of it and, and they won't all be aligned with me. And I, I don't necessarily have the same views as somebody that might seem like, you know, we might be aligned on most things, but there could be a slight tweak of, of viewpoints. I don't know. I mean, in general, sure. I, I mean, it's just, it's just about equality, right? So yeah. There well, isn't, and, and isn't ju- too much. It, yeah. it just being good humans, you know? And, yeah. And that was the thing. I, I, I confess, I, I was really taken aback because, like, you know, I, I just, like, well, 
this is just like a, a cool anthology telling cool stories. You know, it's a you know, it's the creepy lady in the music store and these enchanted items. It's like, you know, that's 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 all this is. I, do, I don't understand the noise and the static. And yeah, it, it really did throw me for a loop uh, when when oh. I was encountered with uh, some of that. So, yeah, I, I guess I just I guess I just needed since we were we were talking here like a year later, oh. I kind of need to exercise those demons a bit and just because uh, I, I don't think I ever really talked about it on uh, on my podcast too much but yeah it was just it was it was just a very odd experience in a way that mm-hmm. made those interactions with that I guess uh, uh, I, I I talked to another comic creator uh, recently and he referred to it as the tip of the spear that kind of thing and like where yeah you know it's like because I, I I had made a remark that's like oh man you know comics fandom is so divided and he stopped me and kind of broke it down it's like you're you're confusing actual division with a vocal minority and and mm-hmm. and he's he was absolutely right um so anyway i just like i said i just wanted to touch on that before uh before we closed out here uh sure. we we uh we are talking to tyler chin tanner co-publisher of away blue world here on mike cybert radio we are talking about the kickstarter campaign for maybe someday stories of promise visions of hope and um i you know in in doing my preparation for this episode um this year 2020 is the uh 15th anniversary of a wave blue world uh, so uh congratulations on that Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was fun. That's our 15 years. I started, you know, right out of art school when I graduated from the Kubert School. Actually, I was still in the Kubert School in 2005. I had one more year to go. But yeah, that's officially when we uh, incorporated and I uh, started putting it in a comic uh, under the Wave Blue World banner. Awesome. Very cool. Do you uh, do you ever get a new mug uh, from uh, from the Kubert School? I did. Yes. Oh, I should post that on Instagram. Yeah, That was so funny that I got so much like this outpouring of support and sympathy because I broke my mug. <laughs> I didn't expect that. I just thought it was kind of like a quite, you know, trite post about, post about oh, I dropped my mug and took yeah. a picture of it. But I guess uh, people were very concerned. They wanted to know. So it's it, funny you brought it up. Yeah. It, it just goes to show that you just never know what is going to resonate with folks when, when you put something out into the world. It's it's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to put. I'll take a picture of my my full my, my new full mug and post it. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so uh, so we were talking about uh, you know the the anniversary of a wave blue world and um, if if I'm not mistaken there there have been some uh, personnel shifts uh, since uh, since the last time we talked. Uh, would you would you like to talk about some of the um, the the folks that are that are kind of filling the ranks and some of the other cool stuff uh, that that you guys are doing aside from the kickstarters that we're talking about sure yeah well you know it's been a journey as a wave of the world thing and i wasn't even quite sure where i was going with it all i knew that i was graduating from the gearbird school and i wanted to sort of do my own thing i wasn't quite sure where the industry was headed but with digital and then eventually kickstarter i got more and more confident that i could do this publish thing on my comics on my own and then it was really with with kickstarter and with the anthologies that i started publishing other people's work and uh toby cypress was actually the first person i don't know if you know the artist toby cypress i did his art book punk rock jazz and he Mm. was in broken frontier anthology with me was like hey i think you should publish my work and i was like what (laughs) like that just sort of blew me away um and uh, I realized there's probably, you know, there's some need for there for someone who's willing to take chances on publishing creator-owned work and artists doing their own thing. So I started expanding the business, and that meant I needed, you know, more help and, and people to help me out. Um, one of the, well, I'll tell you, I, I mean, Nicola Black, who I've been working with since nearly the beginning, mm-hmm. um, just as a progressive thing. Now she runs her own business, Nicola Black Design, but she's done some amazing designs, including the logo for All We Ever Wanted, um, putting together the Broken Frontier anthology and, and things like that. Um, that's her little, like that's her kind of her own business, um, but working with us. Um, and then um, my good friend, Justin Zimmerman, who published his own comic books. And then we started working together. Oh God, man, has it been five, six years? now but sort of like coming together slowly where he did his thing i did our thing but we were mm-hmm. like helping each other out so then he came on as the media director and then just in november this past year he became our chief operating officer coo 
Very which cool. is sort of like the sort of the second in charge, except for there's both Wendy and myself, right. like co-publishers. So my wife and I are in charge of it because we founded it back in 2005. But mm-hmm. but he's our, um, you know, I don't want to call him third because that confuses. But sort of like the second hand man to, to the both of us. There you go. Um, and he's in charge of the operations, the schedule, keeping things running. And that's just been a huge help um, because there's so much to do. Um, last year. Uh, we brought on, um, you know, Joe Illich, who's Joseph Illich, who's been around in the industry for quite some time to really kind of come in. And when I started making those first bigger steps to create our own publishing, he was mm-hmm. very helpful because of his experience in the industry and and editing some projects and, and giving some guidance there. Um, I got Pete Carlson in to do production and sending the books to printer and putting these files together. He's been amazing. Um Hazel Nulevance has been doing social media for me. Um, they're really good at what they do there. And now they're also a creator. And a lot of these creators, yeah. a lot of these people that work with me are creators. That's almost this theme we have going um, because we are a small company and they're not necessarily like full-time jobs. I've yeah. been bringing in a lot of people who do their own thing because I feel like they get what a wave of the world's about, you know? And they're making their own comics or even movies in Justin's case, um, but also coming in and doing the very sort of specific job that they're particularly good at mm-hmm. for the company. Um, gotcha. And uh, yeah, just putting together this, this, this team of very talented. I and mean, that's the thing that people who work with us, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They, when you know, we all come to the table, they really bring something that they're like, I am really good at this area and they may have to do a few different things, but uh, it's just super helpful when you're trying to put something together. And, and I noticed when creators, we bring on creators for a project, whether it's this anthology or our own creator project and be like, I'm going to put you in touch with these people. And mm-hmm. they're just like really thrilled. They have access to these, these minds and these, these talents that can help their comic book uh, succeed. And, uh, I think it's starting to become what a wave of the world's about is, you know, because why do we exist uh, uh, for for publishing Mm -hmm. these independent projects? I mean, we're not image and we're not DC, um, but, you know, we're we still provide something other than you just going out and doing it yourself. I mean, they're self-publishing. Right. But then that's a ton of ton of work as someone who's done it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's a lot of hats to wear. And sure, online is opening a lot of doors, but. The more doors that opens, it, it's the more complicated to figure everything out as well. So, um, yeah, that's just sort of my lo- my yeah. long answer in terms of uh, what we've been doing over the last couple of years. Uh, it's been a thrilling experience. It's got its ups and downs, and there's its headaches and heartaches, but it's also just a very rewarding business. And and I couldn't imagine doing anything else with my life. Um, I'm just so happy that this is. This is what I get to do um, every day, wake up, make comics, um, you know, be with my family. But 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 this has become so much a part of my life that yeah. they're part of the comics now, too. Exactly. <laughs> my wife yeah. is part of the company. My kids are part of the company. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they're part of the Kickstarter video, as you'll see. <laughs> you know, there's, there's very little separation in my life that doesn't have to do with making comics and, and a wave of the world. And um I, I may not have known where I was heading when I started this, and I still may not know completely where I where I've headed. But I'm I'm just thrilled to to be waking up and finding myself uh, where I where I am today. That's that that's amazing. Uh, very well said. I I really appreciate that. And one one of the things that you said earlier when when we were kind of talking about the uh, AWBW uh, fan base and the Kickstarter support is, is community. You know, uh-huh. it's 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 very much uh, it's very much a community uh, to be a part of, um, and and I think that's I, I think that's wonderful. Uh, Tyler Tintaner, co-publisher of A Wave Blue World. Uh, we uh, we could talk for hours and hours. This has been tons and tons of fun. But before uh, before we let you go and we part ways for now, um, you uh, you had mentioned that you know comics publishing is a, is um, a family affair, and and um, I. I just wanted to ask you really quick, um, how, um, how, how is that quarantine life, uh, for you guys? How, um, you, cause, cause you're all in New York, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy out here. We are staying inside as 
best we can, um, getting deliveries as much as we can. And, and a lot of it is life, you know, as normal. I mean, we both Wendy and I work from home, mm-hmm. uh, do a wave of the world from, from our home offices. The kids are home a lot more now cause they don't have school. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we're, we're used to that. So we just have to keep them busy, get them. Everybody's doing more things online. Um, which I think the world has been moving in that direction anyway. So this has almost just been something that's pushed it forward a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like, like we were saying, like we, we're just getting to learn zoom and everybody's getting their microphones and yeah. we're getting ready for this, this brave new world uh, on our computer. <laughs> and ho- hopefully we'll reach a point where we can actually get go outside and get some more uh, sunlight and have some human interactions as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think this is kind of just giving us all a little, uh, kick uh kick uh forward in the sense of like okay but let's get let's get this communication going and and that's community too you know yeah i know it maybe seems cold over computers but you're able to interact with with more people and people uh, on other you know sides of the country other parts of the world uh interact with your fan base yeah there's Mm -hmm. positives Mm -hmm. you just have to find the way to make make the best of it Absolutely. And, you know, you you had mentioned uh, the uh, uh, the videos uh, earlier, and and it reminds me that's that's actually one of my favorite things about uh, the uh, AWBW uh, Kickstarters is is those videos. And uh, and you got yourself a quarantine cut. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll see it on the video. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, Wendy was responsible for it, and she did a great job. She's not, it's not like one of those things where she's, you know, part hairdresser or whatever. She, sure. she just sort of picked it up, was like, here we go. We got ourselves some clippers, and, and she went for it. So she did a great job. But, you know, it it, it looks a little quarantine style. <laughs> I love it. Quarantine style. Oh, man. Well, again, Tyler, thank you so much for taking all the time for uh, chatting with me here. And uh, before we let you go, could you let folks and remind folks uh, where they can connect with uh, a wave blue world on the Internet and how we can connect with you on the social medias? Yeah, well, the Internet's easy because we shortened our wave of the world to AWBW. So it's AWBW.com. But then most social medias just look up a wave blue world. Um, I know I made it tricky with the, the wordplay there, but a wave blue world on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. And then uh, Mike, yeah, let's let's book next year, man. This is a great talk, but uh, let's 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 do another one next year for for whatever Kickstarter we're doing then. Absolutely, I I will take it as a standing appointment. Uh, these these are these conversations are a lot of fun. I I love the message of the books, and I I really enjoy supporting it. And I and it's and it's my hope that folks listening uh, to this uh, feel inspired to go out and uh, and back the book. And again, the uh, the book is maybe someday stories of promise and visions of hope that is up on Kickstarter right now. AWB wkickstarter.com this has been mike cybert radio thank you so much for listening my name is mike and i'm tyler and again thank you so much to tyler chin tanner for taking the time to talk to us about the kickstarter for maybe someday stories of promise visions of hope uh but i do need to mention a quick addendum to what you just heard uh we uh we actually recorded the interview before the kickstarter went live and uh i noticed as i was editing and putting the show together that i mentioned the incorrect url for the kickstarter so here it is the direct link is maybe someday ks.com um the link is correct in the show notes and all the social media posts um and you can find a link on the website for a wave blue world at awbw.com along with all of their social medias as well um and real quick as uh, tyler had mentioned there are a few kickstarter reward tiers and i thought i'd take a, a quick minute and run through those with you but you know like we talked about during the interview the reward tiers are very 
very straightforward, uh, you know, very uh, back to basics and and uncomplicated. But uh, but there are a few I did want to talk about. There's the digital edition tier that includes a digital copy of Maybe Someday, along with the digital sketchbook. Uh, the digital sketchbook is only available through the Kickstarter campaign. That's the only way to get it. Uh, there's a print edition tier that includes a printed copy of the book Maybe Someday, along with the Kickstarter exclusive cover and a die cut sticker plus the digital edition of maybe someday and the digital sketchbook as well the anthology combo tier has the print versions of both maybe someday and all we ever wanted uh, there's also a, a counterpart digital version of that bundle as well and uh real quick just a, a tangent and distract myself um you heard uh the mike cybert radio theme song uh as performed by lucia fasano she contributed her story uh, along with artist Tess Fowler to uh, All We Ever Wanted, a story called The Inventor's Daughter. That's a, that's a really fun one as well. Um, so uh, so I'm excited about these books. But um, but anyway, I, I, I got sidetracked. Uh, there uh, There's also uh, two signed book plate edition tiers uh, autographed by at least 12 of the creators. And then finally, there's the super anthology tier where you get the exclusive Kickstarter cover of Maybe Someday, along with other A Wave Blue World titles, uh, including All We Ever Wanted, This Nightmare Kills Fascist, Loved and Lost, as well as that Maybe Someday Die Cut sticker. And uh, a last reminder that this project will only be funded if it reaches its goal by Thursday, July 2nd, 2020 at 2 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So don't miss your opportunity to back the book early. And that will wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can always check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders and is powered by Poddex. For my guest, Tyler Chintanner, my name is Mike. And until next time, wash your hands. And make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.